United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. As you know, one of the stories we've been watching very closely lately is the question of whether or not there was actually intelligence that showed and was reported to President Trump that the Russian GRU intelligence group had been paying bounties, offering bounties to Taliban-related insurgents and bounties to kill service members from the coalition in Afghanistan, including Americans. Michael Morell is the former acting assistant director and former deputy director of the CIA and House's own podcast now on CBS News. He's a consultant with CBS. He was a guest with Olivier Knox last night on The Big Picture talking about the intelligence that they see and give to the president. Intelligence is never, there's never any certainty about it, right? There's a range of certainty. Um, and it ranges from, you know, I have very little confidence in this judgment that I just told you to I have very high confidence in this judgment. But there is never certainty. There is never, Mr. President, we are 100% certain about that. Meanwhile, President Trump, in an interview with Greta Van Susteren that will appear this weekend, says uh, he never got that intelligence. The Justice Department's looking at it. It's up to them. But it's people uh, in so-called intelligence. I don't know if it's intelligence or the opposite of that word. And they leaked, and they've been leaking for years. They leak, and that's what they do. And they're very, they're not patriotic people. They're not good for our country. You're talking about the leaks and on the intelligence itself. As far as the bounty is concerned, I think it's a hoax. I think it's a Democrat hoax. That's the president with Greta Van Susteren uh, in the program that airs this weekend. Joining us on POTUS to talk about Afghanistan and this whole convoluted affair is Andrew Wilder, U.S. Institute of Peace Asia Center vice president, tweeting at USIP. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks, Tim. It's good to be back on POTUS. Interesting perspective, because you have written a piece, U.S.-Russian interests overlap in Afghanistan, so why offer bounties to the Taliban? And you're taking the approach, it seems to me, about, okay, so why would Russia want to do this? Help us understand the possibilities behind that, whether or not the intelligence is true or not. What, what would be the idea behind it? Well, just to be clear, of course, I've not seen the intelligence, and all the facts still aren't clear. Um, but I don't think it should come as a big surprise because the Russians have been providing support to the Taliban for several years now, but in small levels, sort of a tactical level, uh, for a variety of reasons. I mean, I mean, first, I think it's just the irresistible temptation you know, to make life more difficult for the U.S. and our NATO allies. Um, uh, and relatedly, I think you know the you know perceived humiliating defeat of the U.S. and you know NATO in Afghanistan by the Taliban would certainly give some in you know, Moscow a good feel-good factor, a sense of revenge for the U.S. support to Mujahideen groups in the 1980s. Um, so I think there's those factors. But I think it, you know, the initial support of the Russians, the Taliban, was primarily to some com- Taliban commanders in the north because from the t- Russian perspective, the Taliban are the least of two evils. Uh, their greatest fear is ISIS in Afghanistan, or Daesh as it's known, spreading its influence into Central Asian states, which, of course, are sensitive for the Russians. So, and the Taliban have also been fighting ISIS. Um, so some support to Taliban commanders up in the north to try to prevent the growth of, of Daesh and ISIS in the north was, I think, the original reason for the Russian support uh, for the Taliban. But, but now, as the Taliban are gaining ground, both diplomatically in negotiations and militarily, 
and you know are very likely going to have a greater uh, role in Afghan politics in the future. I think the Russians are also hedging their bets, um, and not not just the Russians. Some of you know Pakistan has long been supporting the Taliban, as has Iran, uh, and I think as the Taliban position strengthens, you might see others providing, you know, covert support to the Taliban as the Russians have for the past few years. I wonder, uh, you made mention of the Mujahideen, the United States supporting that insurgent group against the Soviet Union at the time in Afghanistan. And it's not that, quite frankly, interference in foreign governments is just now happening. It's happened many times over our history, including from the United States and other countries. That said, this particular piece of information, if it's true, and again, as you said, you haven't seen the intelligence, if we did see some kind of a bounty being offered, it strikes me that this is sort of along the lines of diplomatic immunity, the idea that you don't want diplomats in your own country, uh, you don't want to go after them because diplomats in someone else's country, they might go after them. If Russia were to do this, would they not be concerned that the U.S. would come up with some kind of reciprocal deal? Uh, In other words, why would you want to put troops at at risk in your own group um, for something like that, which, if it is just a big grudge, seems rather petty. It is, but as you said, in the 80s, we were, of course, also supplying the Mujahideen uh, to attack the Soviet forces then. Um, But for me, I mean, I think this situation obviously needs to be further investigated, and we should try to determine what the facts are and then follow up accordingly. But to me, the bigger point is I don't think this issue should distract from the bigger U.S. strategy of trying to support a politically negotiated end to the conflict in Afghanistan. Because I still think that that's the key strategic interest of the U.S. to protect not only our interests in Afghanistan, but also help to bring an end to 40 years of conflict. So that's where I would be concerned if this issue of the Russian bounties distracts from the bigger picture need for the U.S. to continue to support the peace process and not get derailed from that. Let's talk about that bigger picture again. Andrew Wilder, U.S. Institute of Peace, Asia Center Vice President. And the idea that the U.S. is negotiating with the Taliban for some people is just an odious prospect. But one wonders, are they a reliable bargainer at the bargaining table? Are they a reliable player in all of this? Well, again, I, I you know, personally wish we weren't in a position to have to be negotiating with the Taliban. You know, I worked in, Tal- in Afghanistan in the 90s, and the Taliban had their you know, horrible rule then, and I would hate to see them come back into a position of power. Uh, but the fact is, after two decades of war, we haven't been able to defeat them militarily. And so I do think that the best solution now is to try to reach you know, a politically negotiated settlement with them, um, which doesn't give them all the power, but gives them a seat at the table uh, to try to bring the violence you know, to an end. Um, um, so, again, that's where I, get, I would like to see the emphasis uh, placed and uh, continue to be placed. Um, and I think we're close. I mean, in some ways, closer than ever before to actually getting to when Afghans warring parties sit across the table from each other to try to negotiate an end to the conflict. Do you think it's possible the U.S. could actually have a total withdrawal from Afghanistan of troops? I think it can, and I certainly hope so, eventually. But to me, the key is the the main leverage that not only the U.S., but the Afghan government has in these negotiations with the Taliban is the presence of U.S. troops and our NATO allies. I mean, that's the leverage, and I, I would hate to see us just pull those troops out precipitously without a deal. I mean, if there's no hope for a deal, uh, you could maybe say, okay, we fought 20 years, let's just pull the troops out. But now that when we're closer to ever before, 
to a negotiation, you don't want to completely throw away your leverage in that negotiation by pulling the troops out just as those negotiations are about to begin. I think you make an important point in your piece, too. You say and write, the Russians don't want the United States to stay in the region forever, but they also don't want such a quick departure that leads to the Afghan state collapsing and a return to the civil war and anarchy of the 1980s and early 1990s. Yeah, and that's ironically, I think, ultimately, our longer-term interests of the U.S. are not that dissimilar to Russia and China and Pakistan and Iran and others, is what everyone should be wanting to avoid, and I think for the most part does want to avoid, is the collapse of the Afghan state. And again, a return to the anarchy of the 80s and 90s that sort of gave birth to you know, safe havens or terrorist groups like al-Qaeda that did threaten the U.S. and attack the U.S. And I, I, for one, believe we could easily go back to that situation if we pull out troops precipitously, because I do think that will lead to a collapse of the Afghan state. Um, and a, you know, real, I mean, the situation is bad enough as it is, but believe me, it can get a lot worse. One other point, and our last my last question, you noted that the Taliban killing of a U.S. serviceman in September of last year was used by President Trump to temporarily pull out of the negotiations with the Taliban. You have emphasized the big picture. Do you believe this administration, this president, is taking the long view in this situation? Well, I think the policy is taking the long view. I mean, I think there have been some statements from the president you know, that he would like, obviously, to get the troops out. That was the campaign promise. Um, uh, and so I think that's generated a lot of concern that he might, you know, we might wake up to a tweet <laughs> announcing the withdrawal of troops. And I certainly hope that doesn't happen. And certainly the U.S. policy of, you know, the Trump administration, as articulated in the August 2017 South Asia strategy, is, in my view, very rightly to try to use our military force to achieve the political end of, an, of, a, of a peace process. And to me, the problem of at least the last decade or more has been we've used our military force just to win the war, uh, not to try to achieve a, uh, a political settlement. And I think the Trump administration's August 2017 policy actually changed that, said we don't think we can win the war militarily, but we do want to have a conditions-based withdrawal so that we use our troops to you know, get a political settlement and then withdraw the troops. And I, I think that's the right sequence. Andrew Wilder, thank you for being with us on POTUS today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Andrew Wilder, U.S. Institute of Peace Asia Center. Vice President, his thoughts on what is taking place, the U.S. negotiations with the Taliban for peace in Afghanistan, and how Russia is playing into that. You can actually read his piece if you want to go to USIP.org. U.S.-Russia interests overlap in Afghanistan, so why offer bounties to the Taliban? He will go over some of the things we were just discussing. You can find the Twitter handle is at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.